trust in the compassion of Christ. It's the passion of the Father's heart. He surrendered all. Jesus surrendered all. We sing it. Jesus did everything we sing, God did first. We're just responding. He said, I surrendered all. I surrendered all. I give you everything. Father says, I give you my son. I give you everything. Sometimes we don't know that we need something. We think, we think other people are lacking and they're missing something because they're not a very good God person or they're a person of the world. But it might be something that I have to have awakened in me. I need to own what I see in other people. Do I see Jesus in them? Do I see even the, maybe the dormant seat of Christ that needs to be awakened? Or do I see what's wrong with them and I know it? If I'm doing that, I'm eating from the tree of knowledge of right and wrong and good and evil. And that's death for me, not for them. It's for me. It makes, I'm not giving living waters. I'm not giving life. I'm not giving love. I'm giving my knowledge and information of everything that's wrong with you. Can you imagine doing that in someone in ICU? Well, you just had a car accident. It's all your fault. Don't you know it? They're dying, and you're saying, don't you know it's all your fault? Well, what if it was all their fault? His mercy's new every morning. It's under the blood. What if someone chooses something that leads to a really bad consequence? God's still the redeemer. Has he changed? Has he said, I'm no longer the redeemer because they made a foolish mistake? They've chosen really bad? He says, I'm still the redeemer. I'm the healer of your soul. I'm the restorer. We talked about you restore the heart of the broken. Sometimes we have to own it. I heard a friend on a Zoom this week, and she said, um, I was so frustrated. And, and she said, but I had to own it. See, she could have said, they made me angry. They made me frustrated. They made me mad. What they were doing. And she said, I had to own it. Because Jesus doesn't look at anybody frustrated. He's, he's not looking around the world and saying, man, I'm so done with the world. I'm just so frustrated. <laughs> That's it. It's over. I'm done. And he's, he's like, frustration's not in his dictionary. It's not in his vocabulary. It's not in his heart. He is so secure and confident in who he is and what he's giving, what he has given, and what he is given, that someone's whatever would irritate you, whatever would make you mad or make you angry, does not make God mad or angry, does not irritate him, does not frustrate him. He can't be frustrated. He's mercy that's new every morning. And he gives you grace. He gives you grace to overcome your frustration. We, I mean, let's face it. We need to own it. We all get frustrated with one another. You can get frustrated at, at work. You can get frustrated in your family. You can get frustrated in your relationships. You can get frustrated with your husband. You can get frustrated in any place, in any situation. And you can also get frustrated with God. And we need to own it. Where are you? Why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing anything? And he's like... When you hold on to frustration, you can't see what God's doing because he's not in frustration. He's in doing what he's doing, so he wants to open up our eyes. And I really believe our life is a story. We're all in a different chapter, but he really wants to heal the brokenhearted, and we have to own it. We have to own what somebody's done to us and how it made us feel. We have to own those feelings and those emotions because lots of times they're not God's. And God says, I don't feel about that, like that about that person at all. But can I heal your heart? Will you give me your heart? 
And I had a, came in here today and I had a friend give me a prayer that he prays all the time. And it's simply, God help me. Did you hear David in the song, Psalms? God help me. I mean, I'm surrounded by enemies. I'm in this situation that looks like death. It's a valley of, of darkness. It's a valley of death. God help me. Jesus heal me. That's, that's your receiving place. That's your yes. That's your surrender. He surrendered all. So we're surrendering. We don't even know what we're surrendering. Do you know that? Do you know when you say yes, you have no clue to what you're surrendering? But God goes, now I can heal your heart. Now I can heal that relationship. Now I can heal your family. Because you said yes. And that's a willing spirit. Willing, a willing spirit, lots of times we don't have a willing spirit because we know that we know that we know the other person's wrong. And they could be the one that's 100% wrong. But Jesus died for all of us. We were all 100% wrong. We were all guilty. And he laid down, an innocent man laid down his life for the guilty. So I really believe God's bringing his church to a place where, will you lay down your life? Will you lay down your life for others? Sometimes it means you have to die to being right. You have to die to something. God has given me a man that I had to die to many things to receive life. Because he didn't understand my heart. He didn't understand my brokenness. And I wanted him to. And I was mad and angry that he didn't. But God deliberately did that. It's like God just, he would be like, my husband would be like, what? And, and I'd be like, I just had a car accident. I'm bleeding to death in front of you. I'm dying. And he'd go, and he'd see me as someone that was strong. Man, I worked 12 hours a day. I had a business. I worked hard. I showed up. I did everything. And I'm trying to tell him, no, my nervous system's shot. I'm breaking down. I need help. I need help. And he didn't get it. And God allowed that misunderstanding to make me dive into God. Jesse said last week, dive into God. To make me cry out, help me, Jesus. This was my friend's prayer. Help me, Jesus. God, help me. Jesus, heal me. Heal me. It's when my husband misunderstands me, he is not the enemy. It's the issue of my heart. It's the issue of my heart. My heart, I've, I feel misunderstood. Therefore, it's affected my identity. And God wants to heal that place, to heal my identity, that even if you're being completely misunderstood, God says, I believe in you. I die believing. Love believes all things. I die believing for you. So that's the place where, that when we say, Jesus, heal my heart, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill me. This is my friend's prayer. God, help me. Jesus, heal me. Holy Spirit, fill me. That's the breath. Breathe in, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, floods your soul to heal your mind. Our mind needs to be healed. Because I'm thinking something about the other person. I'm maybe thinking something bad about me. I'm thinking a lie that's trying to def either define me, define them, or define God. That's not true. And so breathe in. Just Holy Spirit, I, fill me. I breathe you in. Fill me. Flood my spirit to flood my soul, all my thoughts, my mind, my reasoning, my intent. The why I do things. Why I think that way. So he can heal the broken place of the heart and the mind that repeatedly gets stuck in a cycle of they're the enemy. See, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees always said, they're the enemy, we're the righteous. Because they did works of righteousness. They were, they were self-righteous. 
They saw everybody with sin as an enemy of God. Everybody that has sin is forgiven. That's how God sees them. He shed his blood for them. So I, I put this up because your life is a story. We're all in different chapters. Some people have gone through extensive healing of their brokenness, extensive encountering God, and some people are in a valley, and they'll look at that, and they'll say, well, that's not my story. <laughs> I'm in a valley, but I can promise you God's with you in your valley. He is in you. He's not just with you. He's in you. You are his dwelling place. No matter how bad you feel about yourself, no matter about how bad you could feel about your decisions or your choices, he's with you in that. And he believes, the one that lives in you believes in you and he cares. And all he wants to do is to fill you with his Holy Spirit so you believe the truth about you. See, when you believe the truth about you, you'll believe the truth about everybody else. But if you don't believe you, because you have that to give. But if you don't believe the truth about you, you don't have the truth to give to others. You're really telling them, I'm nicely trying to tell you what's wrong with you. You don't measure up. See, when you know that you, you've been measured and you have not been found wanting, that you've been measured priceless, that you are the pearl that was in the field that Jesus paid all for, that you are precious, as Jesus says, I'm the precious cornerstone, when you find out he said it first, but he said it first about you, that everything has been getting back his treasure called you, God wants you to know that because when you know that, you know the other person's the treasure. Even if the seed is dormant, even if the seed hasn't been awakened, they are treasure. So I, I put that up, and when God was speaking to me when I first started, um, when I actually finished the message, which he always does to me, um, he gave me Psalm 122, and, it, and I'm just going to read two portions of it, and it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And when I first heard that from a preacher, I was like, I'm just showing up because I love Jesus. My heart's torn in half. My heart's hurting. Relationships suck. I'm not so much interested really even in showing up at church. I'm just showing up for Jesus. You know, you could show up like that in your family. You could show up like that at work. You can show up like that in church because you're so broken. But I guess I kept showing up because I knew that the body, the, the body's one. And I know that we're in a time of healing right now where the body, the healing, all the healing that you've got is now because now the healing's in the body coming together. It's the healing's in I'm you and you're me and we're one. We're one in the Father. We're one church. We're one family. We're one body. And so, you know, if coming to church, I've had to make this seasons where in that story, I made myself go to church. And I did not walk in with gladness in my heart. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It was like, oh, Jesus, I'm dying. Help me. And he's like, I'm so glad you showed up. And every time I did, he ministered to my heart. Because he wasn't worried about my attitude. Can you imagine if you shared that with other people? Well, I don't really like going to church don't like it. It doesn't make my heart glad. I really don't like going home to family. They don't make my heart glad. I hate work. They don't make my heart glad. And God's saying, invite me in there. Invite me in. Invite me into that place because I want to heal your heart. I love you. And at the end, it ends with, because of the house of the Lord, because of the family of God, 
because of the body of Christ, because of the children of God, of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So we're here to seek the good of every person because God has already declared his goodness and kindness to us. Moses said, show me your glory, and God says, I'll show you my goodness, because it's only the goodness and kindness of God that changes your heart. You're pointing out other people's sins. Go get a pick and find some rocks and spend the rest of your time, life doing that, because that's bondage. And they will never change for you. Because I know what's wrong with them. And that becomes a stronghold of religion, actually. It's a judgment. It's not mercy that's new every morning. So wherever you are in your story, I just pray that, um, that you open up your hearts and, and you just say, God, help me. Jesus, heal me. Holy Spirit, fill me. It's that simple. You don't have to understand your own heart. You don't go on a devil hunt of your own heart. So why would you do that for anybody else? God meets every single person where they're at. And so I really believe that when we talk about God's love that never fails and your mercy's new every morning, one of the songs, what did it say? Your mercy never fails. God's love and mercy can never fail. Never fail you. On the day that your love and mercy failed for God, it never failed on his part because he's covenant. And so he doesn't look at you and condemn you. He says, come here, let me love you. Let me tenderly care for you. Let me show you my compassion. Let me just sit with you and love you. And so when we, we had um, a guest speaker here a couple weeks ago, his name was Richard from the Father Heart Ministries. Um, he put Jesse on a stool, on a chair, and Jesse was all folded up like a fetus. And we were told, okay, that's the womb. That's the womb that conceived us, the womb of God. The, the, womb, the mercy of God, one of the definitions, is the womb of God. So it's the womb of God that has... Um, it's the womb of God that has birthed us. And so the womb says, you are my darling, you are my beloved, you're in my womb. So we want to bring other people into the womb of God. What are we bringing them into? You are God's beloved. You are God's darling. He laid down his life for you. He loves you unconditionally. You want to protect them from self-judgment. You want to protect them from the judgment of others. And so this is a season to let go. We're in the space between. You can look at this COVID and you can say, okay, what is this season? And, but you've got to find what God's doing in this space between. You've got to find out what God's doing so that you can walk into the new chapter of your book and you can create the new and participate and partner with God in the new, but you can't if you're holding on to the old. So this is a season to let go. And it might, it might be to let go, own the wounds, let him come into that, and then let them go. Let him do that divine trade. If you're mourning, he has a garment of praise. He wants to always make a divine. He wants to give you the price he paid for on the cross. He paid a price. He took it all away. But sometimes we're holding on. And he wants to take that away. And so we just, that's a willing spirit. I give this to you. Help me. I don't even know how to, to let it go. But that's where he acts. That's where he comes. And he gives you the truth. So the Holy Spirit comes. And it's a supernatural letting go. And so 
Um, God's always speaking to me about his goodness. I get up every day and I expect this goodness. I say, God, how are you going to surprise me today? Where am I going to discover you? Because every time I discover his goodness and his kindness, he changes my mind. And it's a, I love you. I love you. Might be a phone call, might be outside in creation, might be something he gives me, might be a telephone call, but it's, I love you. And so this cup, God has been speaking to me a lot about Daniel. Those that are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We're, we're leading people to righteousness. We're not telling them how unrighteous they are because we won't lead them to righteousness because we've already condemned them with a lie and they believe the lie. They don't know the truth. God has made you righteous. He died for you to make you righteous. You don't have to do anything for God to love you. If you do, that's law. And we're dead to law. We're dead to law. So rem remember who you are. See, I was going home one day, and we lived past the landfill, and God said to me, he said, I want you to stop at the landfill. There's a reuse it center there, and sometimes we get things there to take to Guatemala. We fill our, we pay for extra luggage. We take lots of things to Guatemala. And there's things there like cups that are like a birthday gift or even a wedding gift utensils there's all kinds of silverware there's all kinds of things there that they are so thankful for like they are just beyond thankful i can't even tell you how thankful they are but i went there and i knew i was going to find something and i thought it was for guatemala and this is the cup i found and god said this is for you because this is who you are i'm you forgot who you are grasshopper quite often he says that to me when i believe a lie about myself He'll say, you forgot who you are, grasshopper. Remember who you are. He says that to me whenever I just start to, you know, you, if you go off course a little bit, you're going to end up in Timbuktu. We want to go north. We want to be right looking at his face. We want to be in the throne room. And so I expect his goodness. So he gave this to me. He's constantly reminding you of who you are, not what you're not. The world will remind you of who you're not. Religion will remind you of who you're not. You don't measure up. You need to clean yourself up. You need to be a better person. And then, you know, like the prodigal, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't notice that he had a bath before he went in the father's house. I wondered what he smelled like. But he went right into the father's house, right? Because God's not looking at external. God looks at the heart. He's internal. He lives in your spirit. He lives in you. And so... This was just another reminder of who I am. I'm not one of those people that sit in darkness. Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. Darkness covers the peoples. You're not the peoples. You're the people of God, chosen, established by him. You're his house. His seed is in you. And so if you see darkness in the world, well, there is light and darkness. But you're, if you're going to the valley of darkness, God will bring you God will bring you to the place that not only do you know that he's with you, you'll have a revelation he's in you. And when that revelation happens in the valley, has anybody here gone through a valley? Are you struggling with anything in a valley? Is there anything dark happening? When you get the revelation of Christ in you, that the Father lives in you, that you're the dwelling place, my Father's light and I am light, there's no more valley of darkness because I'm light. It's light to my footsteps. It's light to my path. Is there darkness out there? Yeah, but I'm light. 
And so when we bring eyes of light to people, they see the light of Jesus Christ in us. Light is the weapon of warfare. You turn on the light, the darkness, turn off the lights in this room, we have darkness. Turn the light on, the darkness flees. So all we need is to turn the light on inside. Christ is in us. So God's always reminding you that he affirms you, he approves you, and that you're always accepted in the beloved. Has anything happened this week to shake you, make you feel that you're not accepted in the beloved, that you're not loved? That's the place he wants to heal the broken heart. Because if we don't get that healed, we'll make everybody else not feel accepted. They'll know it. So you have to get so, like, if the world shakes, if everything shakes around you, because it will shake, you can't be moved. Because you stand on the, the rock. God's given me, when I've prayed for people, them in the center of a hurricane, that the peace, I'm in the peace of God, which crushes Satan beneath my feet. I'm in the peace of God, wholeness. I'm in shalom. Is there chaos? Is there darkness? Yes, but where am I? I am in peace. And what, guess what happens? Jesus gave me peace. He said, I give you peace. So I said, I receive you. You heal my broken heart. You give me peace. You make me stand secure and confident. In your, we sang it in your faithfulness. I'm confident. In, so when I'm confident in my faithfulness of God, for me, I'm confident in his faithfulness for you. You, you can't move me. What, is someone sitting in darkness? I'm confident in his faithfulness. Holy Spirit loves to brood where there's darkness. When the earth was formed and there was darkness and chaos and void and things were empty, Holy Spirit goes, ooh, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going because I'm light. So that's who you are. You're full of Holy Spirit. That's what you bring. That's what you bring to every person that's in darkness. If all you can do is point at the darkness, like Eve, you're blind. Her eyes were open, but she was blind. We don't want to be blind. We want to see from heaven's perspective. So God, give me the eyes of heaven. <clears throat> oh, which way? I'm pointing it the wrong way. Is it working, Michael? Did my battery die? Oh, there we go. So I don't know if you've ever seen The Lion King, but the Lion King is about remembering who you are because he couldn't remember who he was because he couldn't find his father. He didn't know where his father was. And the, the Montreal, I think it's called the Montreal, Mandrill, okay, I was close. Uh, the Mandrill, Rafiki says, shh, come over here, Simba. And Simba looks at his reflection in the water and he thinks, it's only me. We look in the mirror and we think, it's, it's only me. It's just me. Who am I? And he heard his father's voice. I am your father. Remember who you are. God wants to remind us who we are and who he is. You are more than what you've become. You are more than those that say who you are not. You are more. You are more than enough because your father's more than enough. And you're his son or his daughter. You're his child. If my father's light, I'm light. And his seed remains in me. And it's just growing, that's all. It's just growing. There's a, there's a maturity. And so take your place. Take your place as sons and daughters of God. Take your place as priests and kings of God. 
act like a priest. Bring heaven to earth. There's a gap. There's a gap in the person's life that you're praying for. Bring it out of heaven because heaven's in your heart so that heaven and earth agree as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, Father. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Show up for people as righteousness. Whether they are not in a righteous relationship for you, show up. I'm righteous because my Father's righteous. I may not be doing this really well all the time, but I'm showing up. And it's not up to them to be righteous to me. It's not up to them to meet my needs. It's not up to them to bring peace in the home. It's not up to them to give me peace. I get, get my peace from my Father. I get my peace from Jesus. He's given me peace. And it crushes Satan beneath my feet. So if someone's coming unrighteous, if someone's coming not peaceful, they're like, God gave me the word hostile on the way here. And I was like, oh, Lord, what do I do with that? And I didn't even have my phone to look it up. I was like, oh, hostile. Could you, could you give me a better word? But sometimes we're hostile towards each other. Sometimes churches are hostile. Sometimes families are hostile. Sometimes friendships are hostile. Sometimes marriages are hostile. So if I'm responding to hostility with the same spirit, I don't even want to worry about them. I want to say, oh God, heal my heart. Because that's breaking my heart right now. That's destroying me. And I don't want to respond back. I don't want, I want the father of truth to be my father, not the father of accusations, not the father of judgment, not the father of blaming. In the garden, the first thing they did was blame each other. That's what happens when we sin against each other. We have to blame somebody. What church should we blame? What denomination should we blame? Who should we blame? God doesn't blame anybody. He laid down his life. He gave mercy. He says, I give mercy. It triumphs over judgment. And so... God's saying, take your place. And he's, it's the same message. Come up here and be seated. Know where you're seated. You died with him. You were buried with him. You were resurrected with him. You sit with him in the heavenly places. It's a revelation. It is not the knowledge and the information of your mind. It's your heart, heart that nobody can change. I know where I'm seated. I'm seated in the heavenly places. I'm the most blessed woman in all the Kootenays. So you should say that. I'm the most blessed man in all the Kootenays. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm blessed with heavenly vision. I'm blessed with as it is in heaven, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God in me. The king lives in me. I'm his dwelling place. I'm the son, I'm the daughter of a king. I'm the child of the king. See, when we have that, we give that away. We activate that in other people where they don't even know that. You, you're bringing water. You're bringing light. You're bringing truth. You're activating that truth. You see, religion wants to activate don't you know what's wrong with you? Don't you know what's wrong with you? Don't you know how bad you are? Don't you know what you're not? It kills people. It's the letter of the law. You could be speaking the truth. You could be speaking the word of God. And all you're doing is killing them. Because we're under grace. Laws died. And so it's kind of like that chicken with his head cut off that Jesse was talking last week. He says he cut off a chicken's head and they run around and they're twitching, they're twitching. We got in the car and we thought that was such an awesome analogy because law is dead, but it's still twitching. And it's twitching in me. I hate religion. I hate law because I hate it when it's in me. I was born religious. All I wanted to be was a good person. I just thought if I just did everything right. But guess what? I hated people that were evil. I hated people that were mean, that weren't kind. They didn't talk like me. So I was very aware of what my mouth was saying. Even before I came to God, 
because I wanted desperately to be a good person because I was brought up in such an evil atmosphere. But all that says is I don't need God. Don't heal my heart. It's a mask. You put a mask on and you really mask what your, your heart. But I want my heart and my mouth to say the same thing about everybody. If I can say it about me, can I say it about you? Because that's when I know I've come to faith. I can say it about you. I don't understand where they're at. I don't understand what they're going through. But I know that God sees the end from the beginning. So he created a baby. He, he saw the end. He saw old age. He saw people coming, coming into heaven. They already have eternity in their heart. They saw them coming into the place of eternity with him. And he determined a baby. I see the end, but I determine a baby. That's you and me. We're just growing. We're, that's all we're doing. We're just growing. And so we're all in different places in our growth. So with your story, give God permission to bring things to the light. Heal my heart. I give you permission to heal my heart where I don't even know what needs to be healed because I don't want lies in my heart. I want the truth. So wherever there's a wound, there's a lie. So if the church has wounded you, if your family's wounded you, if your spouse has wounded you, if your friendships have wounded you, and you stay there, it, the lie will just stay there and it'll fester. It'll fester. So it's like asking for open heart surgery. God, here's my heart. Heal my heart. So when he heals you, he heals you spirit, soul, and body. So... <clears throat> got the wrong one up there but so when we sing about mercy the reason that God wants us to be a people of mercy is because mercy ended your past the most merciful lamb of God on the cross shed his blood to redeem you and it ended your past and now you are known in Christ. You are known in the Father before you were formed in your mother's womb. So whatever came down your bloodline and it tries to define you, God thought of you before you were in your mother's womb. So whatever you think of yourself came that you want to blame your parents or you want to blame the church or you want to blame somebody else, remember God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. So his mercy ends your past. So every time I look at someone's face, <clears throat> I remind myself, mercy ends your past. I don't know why you're here. I, don't, I don't, probably don't even understand what you're going through. It's better when you don't even tell me anything. I love when people don't tell me anything. And all I can do is stand before their face and hear God. Total dependence on God. Have a no clue what go, what's going on in your life. But when you don't tell me anything, I have to hear God. And quite often the person in front of you doesn't even hear necessarily what they want to hear because they're so focused on distractions. They're so focused on their weakness. They're so focused on what they're going through. They're so focused on their, val their valley, their circumstance. There's lots of distractions right now. And so I want to just remind us that when the woman caught in adultery in John 8 was brought before Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there, they made her stand in the middle of everybody. So... Religion loves to expose people's sins. Let me tell everybody what someone's weakness or sin is. 
I want to expose it. It has to be made known. It has to be made public. It has to be dealt with. They came with rocks of judgment because that was the Old Testament way. You die. You broke the law. You need to die. Jesus came and made us guilty of mercy. That woman, he came before her and declared she was guilty of mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The one who is full of grace, the only amount of grace can do that, can stand before someone that should be judged and say, you're guilty of mercy. My mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm not a God of judgment. I'm a God of mercy, and I'm ending your past right now. When I say go away and sin no more, it's because I empower you. I've embraced you in my love. Jesus stood there and he said, where are your accusers? And there's no one to condemn you. And she looked around and there was no one to condemn her. When you let go of your accusers, when you get healed in your heart, because Jesus showed up and did that one second, right? Like some Forgiveness sometimes can be years. This is not an instant thing. This is growing up is not, oh, I grew up and now I'm 80 years old in the Lord. It's, it's no, it's a growth. It's painful. You get growing pains when you're a teenager in your legs. Growing up can be painful. You're getting, you have new responsibility every era of your life, every season of your life. Now you've got, oh, that was easy. That was good. Boy, now I really feel like things are good. And then God gives you more responsibility and wants more change. And, and you're like, oh, this is so hard. But she looked around and she saw no one. You see, when you have Jesus Christ living in you, you can look around and you're not going to see accusation. You're not going to see blame. You're not going to see where people are saying you are not enough. You don't measure up. You're not worthy. Can't you see what's wrong with you? Could there really be some truth to those things? They could be, but Holy Spirit convicts. I'm not God. It's not my job to convict anybody. If I am, I'm pushing God off his throne. I can do it. I can convict them. I can tell them how wrong they are. But God convicts to believe. God convicts of sin so you will believe. God does not convict of sin so you know how horrible you are, that you're not, you're not worthy to be saved. You're not worthy of mercy. Can't you see how bad you are? Clean yourself up. He convicts you to believe how wonderful you are, how, how you are his beloved, how he dearly loves you, how he cares so much where you are, how he's sorry for what has, has happened to you. He cares. And so she couldn't find anybody. So that's what happens when Jesus lives in your heart. I had, I had somebody that was a bully in my life. And um, we actually departed ways. It was just a season that we, it wasn't because of an argument or anything. But this person was a complete bully. And um, I was like, wow, Lord, th this is pretty brutal. And God brought me to the place in the last few months where I actually met this person face to face. And I stood looking at them. And what was bubbling up from my spirit was, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then that's bubbling up in me. And then I'm in like in awe because I'm, I'm like, this is a miracle in my heart. This is an absolute miracle in my heart. You see, you can't love somebody. You can't do love. It is the grace, it is the Holy Spirit, divine influence of Holy Spirit in your heart that changes your mind about somebody. And now I can say in my heart, I love you. I was in awe. I was just grinning at them. I probably looked like a baboon. I was just like, I can't believe this. I love you. 
You were a bully. You tried to take me out. But I love you. Now, that isn't a, like you pray a prayer and then that happens. <laughs> this, is, this is because there'll be someone else down the road. There'll be something else down the road, right? And so here, um, Jesus stood for her. Do you know that? He stood for her. He kneeled down, and then he stood for her. He stood to protect her from rocks of judgment because he won't throw rocks of judgment at anybody. So he stood for her. And, and you know, I want to say that... Um, I'm just going to go to the next one because I'm just taking too long here. Um, Jesus stood for us on the cross. Stephen stood for the church, and he saw an open heaven. He saw Jesus standing because... Really, Stephen took a stand. They know not what they do. I want that to come out of me. They know not what... This is the church, Stephen. This is the church. So if I'm not there, it's okay. God, help me. Help me. That's, that's the prayer that I was told today. God, help me. Jesus, heal my heart. That's not in my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. Oh, empower my heart that I can say they know not what they do. That I can be like Jesus and I can say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. See, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus standing in heaven. And I saw this in prayer circle when I was praying. I, I was going out, actually, and, and um, I was going to a group. I have many little groups. And I was going to this one group, and I'm on the way there, and I'm all excited to go there, and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what, what, how God's going to show up. I wonder what he's going to say. What is he going to be doing? And then God says to me, I don't want you to pray tonight. And I'm like, what? What? You don't want me to pray tonight? And so they're all, we all have someone on our heart to pray for. And so another friend, really. And, we're, and I'm like, Okay, you want me to listen? He's done that to me before. He did that to me when my daughter went to Hurricane Stan in Guatemala. A thousand people died in her town. The bodies that took up the whole courtyard in the middle of town. This was a really bad scenario. This is a really, it was three houses away from her. All the houses got wiped away. And so I'm going to the prayer meeting at church to have everybody pray for my daughter. And God says to me, I just want you to listen. It's my daughter. So I listened to 24 people pray for my daughter. And when I opened up my eyes, every last one of them were staring at me. What is wrong with you? But you know what? Sometimes it's a time to be silent and just listen. So God brought me to this meeting that people really didn't know me that well, I would say. Don't really know my story. That's all I can say. And God says, I just want you to listen. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me. I said, okay, I'll just listen. the body of Christ, I saw Jesus standing. Because he heard the cry of mercy for mercy. He heard it. And he heard, forgive them. Father, they don't know what they're doing. And he was standing. He was standing. I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. I'm like, Jesus, you're seated. 
you're seated on the throne. I had to go home and say, what was that? I don't understand. And he was standing because someone stood for mercy. Someone stood not to judge. And it was this whole group that I didn't even get to say one word. That's the church. And then it happened two more times for me. I saw Jesus standing, and they were the church. They were the body of Christ. And they were standing for mercy that triumphed over judgment. And they were standing saying, not guilty. Thank you for your blood. Your blood for them. They, I accept their, your blood for them. I wash them with your blood. Though their sins be like scarlet, you're making them whiter than snow. That's, not, that's being Jesus-focused and not rock-focused, not judgment, not, not accusation. See, those are places in our heart he wants to heal. Accusation, blame, fault-finding, you're not. That's a process. You'll do really good for a while, then one day you'll find yourself, wow, this is not your heart, Lord. He goes, that's okay, just invite me in there. I'll change your mind. I'll change your heart. That's the move of God we're in. That's the move of God we're in. Law will miss it. Judgment will miss it. God's moving. But Jesus is the door of mercy, and we need to bring, if we're bringing them Jesus, we're bringing the man of mercy in us. We're bringing mercy first. And then we can activate the seed of Christ and activate grace in them that they can forgive themselves and get the healing that they need. So <clears throat> he was stoned to death. You see, religion won't let go of its stones. And he said, don't hold this sin against them. What if I could come to that place for every person that's a bully, every person that's wounded me, every person that's caused me grief, every person that's abused me in any way, what if I could just get into that ICU and let him care for my heart and come out strong and whole that when I look for the bullies, they're not there. When I look for the accusers, they're not there. Because when I look at them, I actually love them. I don't see them as accusers. I don't see them as judges. I just see them as someone that loves God. That's where I was. I love God. I worship God. But I probably had a rock box, <laughs> right? But God's, God came into my heart, Holy Spirit comes into me, and he's going, oh, there's another rock. <laughs> Let's get rid of that one. I'm like, okay, change my mind, change my heart. And it's a miracle. Let me tell you, loving people is a miracle. You can't do it. Giving mercy to people is a miracle. You can't do it. Jesus, help me. Help my heart. I have no mercy to give this person. I have no grace. But he'll give it to you, and it'll be so supernatural. All you can do is look what the Lord has done. Isn't he awesome? His goodness and his kindness showed up again. Changed my mind first, because he always wants to change me first. It's always the issue of my heart. When I have an issue with anybody, I have to own it. Because when I own it, I'm not spiritually bypassing it. And then I invite Jesus in there, and then I give him the lies. And he gives, he gives me the truth. Or either way, sometimes the truth just comes and sets you free. But sometimes we're just holding on tight. This is a letting go. This is the fall. Let go 
of what you've been holding on to. Even if you're, these things are really true that people have really, like I'll just say politics, people that are getting exposed in corruption, people that are getting exposed in trafficking, um, all these things that are getting exposed. I'm so excited because I pray about those things. Bring it to the light, make it manifest, but my prayer is make it light, heal them. So that's not a generational bondage. So you get one person in jail and they go to jail for the rest of their life and we're all like, yay! You know what you didn't realize is that bondage is still in the generations, that weakness is still in the generations to come until they find Jesus. I don't want one person. I, like I prayed, I, I've prayed for people where God showed me that in jail, he was not only just going to heal that person, he was going to heal the generations. Maybe they needed to go to jail to find Jesus. I don't know. But God's plan is always to heal the generations. He is about generations. He's not about me, myself, and I. He's, all, he's about your spiritual children and your natural children. He's all about you reproducing yourself, you multiplying yourself, you giving your life away. Jesus died so that we would be the children of God, that we could say, I'm a child of God, that God's my father. So God's looking for those that will take a stand. Doesn't mean that your heart's perfect. Doesn't mean that your heart's right. Doesn't, it could mean like when you first pray these things, it comes out of your mouth like sawdust and hits the floor. And you're like, oh, I sure don't believe that. I can remember those prayers. I remember it coming out of my mouth and I was like, oh, that's sawdust. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, help me, Jesus. Because that, 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 didn't, that didn't bring heaven to earth. That didn't fill the gap. That wasn't a priestly prayer. That was like, I don't really believe you're that good. I don't really believe you're that faithful. I don't have confidence that you're greater than what I see, greater than what I know, greater than what I've experienced. So I'm okay with that. I've learned not to judge my own heart. I've learned, and do you think I judged myself in those places? Absolutely. As Jesus come into my heart, I'm judging myself. I'm judging this, I'm judging that. Help me. And he doesn't say, well, we're done. I've told you 500 times not to judge. He's like, deeper still. Deeper still. I'm like, okay, deeper still. That's how good he is. So God's just saying, he's saying, Stand. And so your forgiveness, I want you to know that when Jesus stood on the cross, his blood, the nail through his feet, was he stood on our, our cross. And so this is a standing, and this is a dying to self to live for others. This, your, do you know that your forgiveness is a weapon of warfare? Your unforgiveness is also a weapon of warfare. One's the father's and one's another father. We're a weapon of forgiveness. We're a weapon of life. We're a weapon of truth. We're a weapon. We pull down the strongholds. We're mighty in God. We're mighty in forgiveness. We're mighty in mercy. We're mighty in grace that people's lives change. I don't want to just give people mercy so that they're forgiven. I want to show up as grace so that everything about their life changes because they're empowered by Holy Spirit. I can't make their life change. I can't make them change. But God in them will change everything. So we give grace, we give grace, we give grace. We keep giving grace. So we stand from the tree of life. We eat from the tree of life. We don't eat from the, the tree of knowledge. Jesus stood on our cross. Love decided to die that day for me and you. I guess today we're making a decision to die to where we can't love people, we can't forgive them. Let's just die so we live. Because if we die, we live. So we, if we die to being right, 
we live. So he made a judgment for those bound to the judgment of good and evil. He made a judgment for the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the woman caught in adultery. And he wrote in the sand. And I said, Jesus, what did you write? I said, you wrote twice. What did you write? He said, forgiven. Forgiven for, for the world from the tree of knowledge of right and wrong. Forgiven for promiscuity. Forgiven for being religious. Forgiven to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Forgiven. Because he's a man of mercy and grace and he can't give anything else. He said, forgiven for all of humanity when those, the woman and religion stood before him. He said, forgiven because he wanted to release them from the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil. Stop trying to be a good person and stop pointing at everybody that's evil. Just eat from the tree of life. He made us all blameless and innocent, all forgiven. We were conceived in mercy. We've been born in grace. We live in grace. Christ in us. We are empowered to live by the Spirit. We're empowered to give life, to give grace, to activate those that are dormant, that don't know who they are. We were guilty and he gave mercy. What if we got up every morning, they're guilty, and then we heard God say, can we give them mercy? Do you want to? And if we say, I can't, he'll say, oh, let me move in that place and love you. Because someone's been unmerciful to you. Someone's judged you. Someone's hurt your heart. Let me heal your heart. Mercy is a judgment. It's a judgment. It's guilty of life. I give you life. You are dead. I give you life. It's a judgment of love. The justice system of the world says guilty. The justice system of the kingdom of heaven says my judgment of love is for every single person. It's a judgment of mercy forgiven. So God, heal our hearts. Remember the nail. He died standing on my nail. He chose to stand on my tree of knowledge of right and wrong and good and evil. My goodness, I came with that cross with me to destroy people and kill people because I was so good. He stood on my nail and he could have let his legs collapse and his lungs fill and drown, but he determined to stand on my nail so I would not be bound to the judgment of good and evil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Show yourselves to be children of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on those who are evil and on those who are good. And your Father makes the rain fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright. And your Father makes the rain fall on the unrighteous, the unrepentant, those that oppose him. That's how I came to God. He rained on me. The unrepentant opposed to him. He rained on me. Do you know compassion is going to heal the land? I can't remember who said it, but I believe it. The compassion of the Christ. And it comes from you. You're the vehicle. You're the ambassador. You're the vessel. You're the ark of compassion. So, Father, 
we're so thankful that you so love us. We're so thankful that you didn't see us anything less than sons and daughters. You called us out of Egypt and you called them sons and daughters when we were not. Because you see the end from the beginning. Give us eyes to see. We want to see the way that you see. Heal our hearts. Help us, Jesus. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Make us vessels of mercy so that we can be give mercy but also give grace for all the change that we want to see that we are actually the activator to give away, to activate others, to bring healing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We give you all the glory. We thank you that you're restoring the brokenhearted. Ha <laughs> ha, that's what you're doing. And this is the day of world mental health. He is destroying the mental health of the body of Christ where people have been afflicted and suffered from mental illness. People like even women that have go through mental illness after childbirth and even those that just suffer from depression. It's one in three people. So Father, I declare a healing in this house upon the mind and I declare, Lord, that your oil will flood every mind, every neurotransmitter, every pathway, that you flood the believing places of our hearts, that you define us and not the world and not the lies, but you define us. I speak healing to every mind because you are that good and you are greater than whatever the enemy tried to do. The enemy came because these people were so, so, so precious. But God, you are greater and you know their preciousness and you are Jesus who saves. God saves. So Jesus, I lift your name above every person that would suffer mental illness. And I just declare over every one of them, God saves. Today's the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord. 